right, welcome into Farzcast. Farzy Masugian here with you. Hope you guys are doing well. Hope you guys had a good week, a good weekend, hopefully. Preseason football now over. We talked about that on my Facebook page, uh, and I'm sure we'll uh, discuss uh, more about the Chiefs a lot with this guy. My guest right now, Marcus Dash, he is the host of the Chief Concerns podcast. And uh, we've been talking for a long time, and now we finally got an opportunity to uh, connect and uh, do this podcast together. He's now here on the podcast with me. Marcus, how are you, man? I'm good, man. It's awesome. Thanks for having me on. It's great to finally meet you with the ad. We're probably maybe amongst the two Persian brothers in the uh, Chiefs Kingdom. I don't know how many <laughs> other Persians are, are in the Chiefs Kingdom, but we definitely represent two of them right here. So, yeah. Uh, I've had um, I've had 66% of the hosts from Chief Concerns on the other 33% I haven't had yet. So, uh, and no, I, I'm glad you mentioned the Persian thing because um, I don't for the longest time I didn't know you were Iranian and uh, or, or half Iranian I should say. Um, you and I we, we've talked about this uh, in, in DMs and all. Uh, I remember when I made a comment um, on January 6th or January 7th. You know, because I mean Middle Easterns get the joke. Oh, you must be a terrorist, that kind of thing. And when that happened on January the 6th, I had a lot to say. And you responded to my Twitter, to my tweet and go, I agree with this as an Iranian. I was like, oh, he's Iranian also? Like, that was my first time I noticed. And by the way, since that day, I have not gotten one single terrorist joke. Imagine that. Right, right. That's funny. Yeah. And it's one thing, when I saw your last name, I was like, I wonder, because, you know, with, with Persians, we have so many different the, the, the different regions in Iran, you know, everyone's got yeah. kind of different kind of last names where like, you know, it could be, could be something. And when you, when that day, when, you, when we made that connection, I was like, that's crazy, you know, because people don't think I'm Persian. My middle name is the only way you know that. And I don't really, you know, my middle name's Amir Albert. So Amir, oh, okay. like, that's what people are like, oh, so you must be a little bit Middle Eastern. Middle Eastern. So yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's it's cool, man. That uh, we got to connect, you know, beyond the Chiefs. You know, Chiefs is a great connection, but you know, beyond that, so it's it's, it's definitely awesome. You know what's my favorite is when uh, people say, um, "Oh, uh, that means you're Arab." Like they assume all of Middle Eastern is the same. That's like, I mean, people do this with Asians all the time. They're like, "Oh, Chinese, Japanese, uh, Korean, they're all the same." It's like that would be like saying, oh, Canadians, Americans, and Mexicans are all the same because they're all in North America. It's like, no, not a, like the perception Americans have about other uh, regions. It, it, it's very appalling to me. <laughs> no, for sure. And I remember when I was younger, so I didn't really understand that. So I remember like in, in class, I always like to talk about how I'm half Persian and half Cuban. Yeah. I remember when I was in elementary school, I remember some kids, like, oh, so you're, you're, you're Arab. And you know, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know. So I go home and tell my dad and he's like, no, 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 you're Persian. We, 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 you know, we have our culture of our own. We're, we're Persian. And it, it, he goes, there's only a few countries, you know, most of them are considered Arab, right? Because they have certain cultures, right? But Egyptians and Persians are separate from that. You know, we're Persian and Egyptians are Egyptian. And then pretty much all the other countries are, would be considered Arab. But like, you know, I, as a kid, you don't really understand the, uh, the nuances to that stuff. But uh, yeah, after that day, like it was third grade. Yeah. Never once someone ever, anyone ever called me Arab. It's like, ah, no, actually, that's that's not true. We're Persian, totally different. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. Um, your uh, chief concerns podcast. Um, you've been doing this for I want to say a little over a year now. I heard your story on a ten. This was something you were trying to do during the pandemic, and I mean, listen, talk about starting low on the totem pole and then building your way up. You started. I think your very first guest was Tyler Palco, 
And now you have guests, you, you have co-hosts, Jason Dunn and Eric Warfield. And because of them, they have their connections, as do you. And you guys have reached out to a lot of former Chiefs, a lot of big names out there. Talk about this experience with this podcast, because honestly, in the short time you've done it, it's honestly been better than uh, a lot of the other podcasts, even, even my podcast that I used to do. I appreciate that you saying that, man, especially someone who's been doing podcasts for such a long time like you. So I really appreciate hearing that. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, so I wanted to like have some, have some, yeah, I had a lot of free time during the pandemic. You know, I wasn't going out, you know, working out, you know, I yeah. did a lot of things, right? So just trying to clear my mind. And this has also become like, like my hobby now. It's like, this is my thing. Um, so it started off, I wanted to do a podcast. So my last name's Dash. I was like, okay, what if I did a podcast called, you know, Running the 40? And I just, you know, make it Running the 40 with Marcus Dash. So that's how it started <laughs> off. I was doing like, different like one-on-one interviews with uh, with different players. I was going for like obscure guys just because, you know, we hadn't heard from guys like Tyler Palco in such a long time, you know. Um, so start off that way, interview J.J. Burden, Eric Warfield, um, some college players too. Um, and so after a while, I was like, okay, well, what do I like? Because I, I watch First Take and like most, m- most uh, sports enthusiasts, we watch First Take, watch Undisputed, Colin Coward, even though I can't stand listening to the herd. But um, you watch those shows because you want to hear takes about your team, especially since we're in this like, you know, limelight now, you know, when the yeah. past. If we were talking about, it, it's like, oh man, this is news being talked about on ESPN right now. Now it's every, every day there's a topic about the Chiefs. So I was like, you know, instead of like trying to listen for Stephen A. Smith to like, you know, you know, talk about like guys who aren't on the team anymore. Like that one, like that one time he was talking about our Thursday night matchup against the, the Raiders. And he said, Derek Johnson's going to be a, a big deal for the chiefs. He wasn't on our team anymore. Um, but yeah. So I was like, let me talk. Let me, I talked to Eric Warfield, talked to Jason Dunn. I was like, what would you guys say about doing a show where it's like, it's like first take, but it's literally just about the chiefs and all topics will be based around the chiefs. You guys know the chiefs in and out. Um, and they were both on board right away. And Eric, the cool thing about Eric was, you know, I met, I, I him and I followed each other on Twitter a couple of years ago and I was a huge Eric Warfield fan when I was younger. Like I, that, that, that was one of the first quarterbacks I really knew because like, I was like, Oh, this guy's taking, uh, you know, pick sixes to the house. I, I love it. And 44 was just a weird number for a cornerback. So I obviously remembered that. And yeah, so I followed, we followed each other on Twitter. talk about boxing. He's a big, uh, from Nebraska, big Terrence Crawford fan. Um, <laughs> So we start, we hit it off a couple of years ago. We DM each other. And then when I started this podcast, talked to Eric, I messaged Jason Dunn on LinkedIn. He responded back, you know, they all did their individual shows. And then I was like, no, they had both really good personalities, both huge chief guys still. Let's get a show together, do first take style. You know, and obviously if you live in the Kansas City area, you have the radio, you can listen to all those kind of shows where you have Sean Barber on, on, a, on a radio show. Yeah. It's different with podcasts. We don't really have that local, like that radio, you know, so by doing a podcast, you know, it gets us out to people who live in California who are Chiefs fans, New York, who are in, you know, guys in Thailand. I, 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 there's a guy who listens to our show who's in Bali, I think. And, you know, the guy loves our show. He came on because he returned to the States for the summer. It was just cool. You know, you get to meet different people in the Chiefs kingdom and also get to connect with other content creators like yourself and many other guys um, who, are, who are making content. So that's kind of how it came to where we are right now. Um, and I will say a lot of the guests – I I don't have really a part in the guests. I I brought on Chris Bober, but everybody else they they've been they've been booking the guests, so that that's that's become their second thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. And listen, I, I'm not. This is not meant to be like a dig at all the other Chiefs podcasts. And by the way, it, it's weird when you say you don't listen to someone's podcast, they get so offended. I'm like, I don't give a shit if no one listens to my podcast. Um, but anyway, uh, the the thing is like since. 2018 there have been a lot of chiefs podcasts and it's like it's it's 
it's a lot easier, I guess, to do one when the team is so much more relevant now. And listen, and I'm not trying to bash this podcast. I've never listened to it. It could be good. It could be bad. I don't know. But there's a podcast called the No Look Pass podcast. It's like clearly that was created in December of 2018 at the earliest. Um, so, you know, you have all these Chiefs podcasts that are now coming up. Like, I hope all these podcasts are still around when the time comes when the team does bad again, which hopefully is not going to be soon, but yours is so unique and you've done such a great job with it. So it's really cool. If you guys haven't checked it out, uh, just type uh, chief concerns. If you guys go to my Twitter right now, uh, I did tag both Marcus and the uh, podcast account on there. So go check it out. Uh, and I, like I said, I mentioned I had uh, Eric Warfield and Jason Dunn on. They were both really, really, really great guys. Uh, had a lot of great conversations with them. You know, it's funny. Um, I completely forgot to ask Eric about the uh, Dante Hall punt return touchdown where there was the uh, illegal block in the back. I come, I was just kicking myself like two minutes after I hung up on him. I remembered about that. Uh, I know you guys had Dante Hall at once. Did that topic ever come up? No, uh, that that's come up. that particular play did not come up. Uh, but that for me, yeah, I can see the bobblehead in the background. My Dante Hall bobblehead. Yeah, that's I became a chief. I, I live in Northern Virginia. I became a chief man because of Dante Hall. And so that that Same particular thing. episode, man, I was I was so nervous. I mean, and that's the thing. I'm at the beginning of doing the show. I was very nervous, like getting on the show with Eric and Jason. These are guys like I grew up watching, you know, like idols of mine. So it's like going on the show with them. I was so nervous at the beginning of it. Now it's like you know they're like my, my buddies now. So I just, you know we text each other during games or during NBA finals. We just text each other all the time now. Yeah. But when Dante came on, man, my heart was like like pounding. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> I'm sending him an email if the Zoom link is going to come on. And I had this, I had the shirt that I had when I was younger. I got it like a, a men's small all the time when I was like in fourth grade, but it was uh, Dante's Inferno. It was a, uh, it was an NFL equipment shirt. I brought that bad boy out for the episode. And then he, and the thing that really drew me off with, with Dante, he asked me if I ever returned uh, kick returns that to it for at the end zone. Oh, I didn't see that. House. And I was like, uh, damn right. And that's, that's a guy, you know, my idol guy. I got into sports or football because of him. And he asked me that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did. I did it twice, actually. And I had the footage of both of them. I thought it was pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, no, it, it was a cool episode. Uh, but, we, no, we didn't get into uh, Eric's block in the back. Yeah, well, next time I have Eric on, I have to, like, write that down and just make sure I ask him that because um, I completely forgot. That was one of the things I did want to discuss. Um, you know, funny story about Dante Hall because I was in – seventh grade when he had that crazy year like four straight games with a touchdown and all of that uh and then he went on uh david letterman's show uh during the bye week i remember shortly after that we were sitting at a restaurant my family and i and all of a sudden we see dante hall sit at the table across from us and every single fucking person is looking at his direction and keep in mind like he's got sunglasses on and he's on his phone the entire time. I mean, look, it's Sunday Hall. Like, he's the hottest person in the NFL at that time. So right. he's trying to kind of just not be bothered. At one point, he puts the phone down. And my parents are like, you need to, you know, talk to him. I'm like, no. He's like, like this is the first athlete I've ever met. Obviously, my favorite. As, he, as you just said, same with me. He's the reason I, I got into the football. My entire family got into Chiefs football. But, you know, I approached him super, super nice. Could not have been any nicer. He was really nice about it. He signed an autograph on a napkin, of all things. Um, and I remember there was also a little group, uh, some kids from my school. 
I think they were like a year or two younger than me. There was like a birthday party and he also signed uh, uh, autographs for all of them on napkins also. So uh, I, I have it something. I think my mom has it somewhere. I don't know exactly where it is, but it, it, it's still uh, out there. But yeah, super, super nice guy. Uh, that's pretty cool. You had the opportunity to uh, talk to him. By the way, you uh, referred to the bobblehead. That pie line, that's killing me. Who who signed that? I know I know it's a uh, Chiron in the background, but that autograph looks very familiar. Whose autograph is that? That's uh, that's Tyreek Hill um, pylon. Oh, okay. I was gonna say Tyler Thickpen. <laughs> you know, with, it's with the T. I, I wanted to get Tyler Thickpen on for one of our shows. We actually got to a point because like he owns like a, he doesn't have like a LinkedIn or Facebook, but he owns like a real estate company. I think he's a realtor now. Okay. I actually I, I found his real estate company on Facebook, messaged them, gave me his number. He was supposed to come on my show, like kind of ghosted me. So I oh, still yeah. are to get him on, on our show. He didn't he didn't cross over with Jason or Eric, but that's the cool thing about our show. I like because you know it's like a, it's a Chiefs, it's like a it's an alumni, right? You know, these guys yeah. may not play with each other, but they all, you know, they all put on that, that the jersey, and so they still have that within them. So it's cool uh trying to get like kind of those guys. I think, do we have anybody who overlapped? Like Tom Bali, we had when Tom Ball on the show. Tom Ball didn't play with Eric. He played with Jason, but he didn't play with Eric. So it was cool getting to see those guys. You know, they, you know, they obviously played with they had similar teammates. So it was cool uh, trying to get that. But yeah, Thigpen's a guy I want to get on my show. So it's funny you mentioned that. The guy ghosted me. I, I gotta I gotta get on for that. Yeah, that, that happens unfortunately. Thigpen was man, I was really disappointed we did not move forward with him after 2008. Like he did. I can't remember who won rookie of the year that year. I think it was Matt Ryan and Tyler Thickman was in his second year and their touchdown interception numbers were actually very similar from what I recall. Mm-hmm. Um, but we ended up with Matt Castle, which we don't need to get into. Um, that was. <laughs> it, started off, it started off nice though. That, that, that first year with Charlie Weiss, it started off nice. Oh yeah. Uh, char- I was thinking about that earlier, like Charlie Weiss, I was so excited when he went to KU because I'm a Jayhawk. And my first year transferring uh, to KU, because I went to Johnson County Community College for three years, my first year transferring to KU, um, I was a little lucky because I had some connections within the student newspaper and the sports editor knew about me. And so um, I became the, the beat writer for uh, the football team, which doesn't happen for a student's first year at KU, but they knew about my Bleacher Report background, the podcast, all that good stuff. So I was a little lucky there. So I was really excited to cover Charlie Weiss in his first year at Kansas. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I get to cover a guy who's going to start something great at, at Kansas. Um, my God, for a guy who's an offensive genius and made Matt Castle look like Tom Brady for one season. And in, in a conference where defenses suck, that had to be the most disappointing head coaching job I've ever seen in football. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember. So I remember it was a big deal when he went to Kansas. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm not. I don't follow the Jayhawks, but I mean, he was he was a good coach at Notre Dame. I mean, Brady Quinn. Yeah. I mean, he made Brady Quinn look amazing, and, and we obviously know what happened with Quinn. Yeah. Although I still think Quinn got a raw deal going to Cleveland because when he when he played with oh, us, his last retired. I thought I mean, he was he was he was, at, he was he was great. He was better than uh, we had in Castle. Uh, but no, I, I thought Weiss. Yeah, and that's the thing about those those I guess Patriot like assistants. I mean. Romeo had a shot at being a head coach that didn't work out. Charlie had a shot. I mean, in college yeah. um, and those guys didn't work out. I mean, I guess, and then Josh McDaniels didn't work out as in Denver. So, I mean, I guess it does. I mean, I don't know that, that there's going to be something to, you know, Bill check and uh, his, his assistants, his assistants and then Patricia with Detroit. So I think it's something what, there with the assistants in uh, New England. You know, what's weird in my opinion, I think the, 
Patriots assistant under Belichick that has had the most success, and this is not saying much, I think it's Bill O'Brien. Like, he's won a couple of playoff games, if I'm not mistaken, at least one. Yeah, And for him, of all people, to have the most success as an NFL coach, or just a football coach in general, college or NFL, it's like, how? I know. Well, and that's the thing too. I think it's like O'Brien was more like because all those other guys, you know, they they kind of were before like the big Twitter age. Bill O'Brien kind of got more crap because he was kind of more on the social media age when he was the guy. Patricia hit wait, wait, one or two years in, in Detroit, so that doesn't really count. But you know, Romeo that was like twenty. What, what year was that? Twenty fourteen? No, uh, twelve wasn't it? With the Chiefs, yeah, twenty. He was the head coach in twenty twelve. Yeah, so that was a two and fourteen season. Yeah, that was yet again in one year. He had the, he had the interim season the last five games where he beat Green Bay the year before. Then he yeah. got that year two and fourteen. But like you know, social media isn't wasn't as like jazzed up as it is now. And I think he would have gotten a lot more crap. And then Charlie Weiss with his days and you know and yeah. Kansas and all that. So, well, I'm glad you mentioned Romeo Cornell in that year where he became the interim head coach because. After they fired Todd Haley, they changed the head coach and the starting quarterback on six days' notice. And obviously, the Packers get like, even Chiefs fans are like, we didn't expect this. Like, we were expecting to get destroyed. The Chiefs came so close to making the playoffs with a new quarterback and a new head coach three weeks before the end of the season. If it wasn't for freaking Richard Seymour blocking a PAT and a a field goal, we would have won the AFC West. Like what my, I know there are a lot of what ifs, like what if Derek Thomas, you know, could have continued his career? How high would he have set the bar? Joe Delaney, what could he have done long-term uh, Christian Okoye with his injuries? Like there are so many unfortunate what ifs in chiefs history. Um, me personally, like I've always wanted to know if, if Richard Seymour did not block all those field goals, I'd love to know what we could have done in the playoffs. Like, and by all means, like, we didn't look great against the Packers. We only scored one touchdown. We, we beat the uh, Broncos seven to three, and Tebow went on to win an overtime against the Steelers that year on that one play drive. But it's like, man, I've always wanted to know if it wasn't for Seymour, how would we have done in the playoffs? Well, if you look at even even before that game, if I remember correctly, it was a couple of weeks prior we played Tebow, and Tebow went like two of nine. He had he had some ridiculous stat, and they beat us. Yeah. Like we just won that game, the Seymour wouldn't have mattered. We, 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 you know, we took care of business against Denver the first time. But yeah, what was a crazy stat he had in that game where he only completed two passes? Yeah, only completed two passes, one of them for a touchdown. Oh, man. <laughs> you know what's weird? That there were a lot of weird things that year. Like we started 0 and 3, and then we took the division lead. That was the same year Philip Rivers fumbled that snap. Um, and I remember being there. By the way, there's a really weird, I don't know if you know this. But depending where you sat at the stadium, you had a good angle of this. I was sitting, uh, the you know where the tunnel is, where the players come out before the game? Mm-hmm. I was sitting in the end zone behind that side. And if you just look straight across um, behind the other side of the stadium, somebody lit off a firework. If anyone has this game on their DVR or if you have, um, if you have um, what's it called, NFL Game Pass or whatever, where you can go watch games, I don't know how far you can go back. But you can hear a loud bang right before the snap. And I remember seeing that. I'm like, what the fuck is someone doing in the parking lot? <laughs> and all of a sudden, I see like a huge dog pile on the field because I was paying attention to the fireworks. I, 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 didn't, I didn't know what was going on. Right. I thought I thought it was from the, the, the stadium. Like the Chiefs, like not many people know this because social media wasn't big at the time. The Chiefs had to like come out and defend themselves on social media. They're like, no, this had nothing to do with us. That firework was not us. 
Um, but anyway, uh, I just see a dog pile in the middle of the field and I see Andy Studebaker with a football. I'm like, the hell just happened? <laughs> so I had to go on Twitter on my phone to see what people were saying because I completely missed that play. That was also the same year we played the Raiders and they had one quarterback throw three interceptions in the first half and then another quarterback throw three interceptions in the second half. That was just a weird year for us, man. That was uh, one of the weirder years in Chiefs history. That was the week the Raiders trade for Palmer, right? And then that was his first game. He like went in that game. Is that, is that, is that the game? Maybe. I don't recall exactly when the Palmer trade was. That sounds like the right time frame. I want to say Kyle Bowler was one of the guys who threw three interceptions. Wow. That's a name. But, um, yeah, that was – because I remember attending the first game that year where Eric Berry got injured on the first quarter and the Chiefs got killed by the Bills. Ryan Fitz, magic of all people. Um, which, look, I, obviously we, we love him because of what he did for us uh, to the Patriots, but his success is so short-term and weird. But, yeah, that was such a weird year in Chiefs history, one of the weirder years. Um, so I heard you talk about this. By the way, I, I – I, um, you mentioned this to uh, Jelly Roll, Lionel Dalton, which before we go any further, uh, before I forget, uh, obviously the fantastic news. I did not know about this until you told me. He had done some interviews nationally, but uh, he was, um, he, he, uh, he's been in dialysis, battling kidney failure, and he just um, so got some good news over the weekend. I think he actually tra- uh, went to uh, get a new kidney. I don't know exactly when that happened or if that's already happened, but. So the surgery is successful and everything. He went to okay. Johns Hopkins in uh, Baltimore. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's really cool to hear. Um, so I did want to mention that because uh, he because uh, I, I listen to your podcast and I wanted to reach out to him to to uh, ask a few questions as well that I had. So that was really cool to hear. Your podcast was the first time I had known about it. Um, but he mentioned uh, that you're in D.C. and you mentioned you became a Chiefs fan because of Dante Hall. Uh, have you ever been to Kansas City? Yeah, so actually, I've been two times. So I went, so I went the year. I remember when DJ had that big hit on Marshawn Lynch in Kansas City? Like it was that is that it's that one of the big plays they always show all the time. So that was hmm. 20, 2017. So December of twenty seventeen was my first time going to Kansas City. Oh, okay. And then and then I went the second time. I went was uh, for the, the Super Bowl parade because it was like you know, I won two grand. <laughs> I, I won two grand on that Super Bowl. He's like, you know what? Let's uh, I'm, I'm booking my flight that uh, to find out when the parade is. I'm booking my flight. I'm going uh, to Kansas City. I had a buddy at the time who was a videographer for the Chiefs. Um, okay, I gotta stay with I gotta stay with him at his place uh, to enjoy the festivities uh, that week. But uh, yeah, and that, and that was right before COVID hit. So you know, I was the yeah. last like kind of the outing I really did before uh, COVID that really struck. Yeah, yeah, people have always. People have always joked that if the Chiefs ever won a Super Bowl, you know, hell would freeze, the end of the world would come, and Kind of did, I guess. Um, yeah, but no, no. The reason I asked that, it's funny because I have a lot of listeners. When I started the podcast, it was uh, the Chiefs podcast that I did. That was in 2007. And I had a very similar uh, objective that um, that Joel Thorman had for Arrowhead Pride and Patrick Allen had for Arrowhead Addict. Uh, I, 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 I write for Arrowhead Addict and I've also written for... Um, for cage pages, which is now defunct, but it's also, it was part of uh fan sided. And it's weird, even though it's two different websites, I still had to go through their application process and their training, which is stupid. But uh, both times I watched that Patrick Allen is the founder of fan sided. And he mentions in his little um, introduction. Uh, and I, cause I've watched it a couple of times. I know this. Uh, the reason he created Arrowhead Attic was because he was tired of 
uh, not hearing Chiefs coverage um, nationally. It was always they were always talking about the big market teams or the teams that were good, uh, which is understandable. I mean, you, you know, ESPN is not going to spend so much time talking about a bad team unless they're surprisingly bad. Right. Um, and that's kind of why I did a Chiefs podcast. And more so, I wanted to reach out to people that don't get Chiefs coverage locally. So I had a lot of Chiefs fans outside. And I just remember when I did message boards at the time, I just asked people, I'm like, how are, are you guys from Kansas City and you guys moved? Like, what's the backstory? And people are like, no, I just, I love the Marty Schottenheimer era. I love Christian Okoye. I love Dante Hall. Like all these different stories you hear from why people outside of Kansas City became Chiefs fans. Uh, pretty unique. Uh, and then, you know, to stay, still stick around and be a Chiefs fan all these years. Uh, definitely worth it, obviously. Yeah, so my older brother, so not only was a Dante Hall big um, attraction for me. So my older brother, who's about eight years older than me, big Chiefs fan. My, my, our, our older brother, two years, uh, we, have, we have five of us in general, but the, the second oldest is a Raiders fan. So the brother who's still, the fourth oldest, the one who's older than me, he, he grew up watching Raiders, right? So within between Raiders and seeing Chiefs two times a year, he became a Chiefs fan in, while watching Raiders games with my brother. And he was probably around nine or 10 when he first became a Chiefs fan. So I was like 95. And then so from that point, when I was, when I was growing up in the household, uh, I was, it was Raiders in one room, Chiefs in one room. And then, you know, my, my parents are big Redskins fans or Washington football team fans. Um, and so it was like, which room am I going to go to next? Right. <laughs> so like, I remember like growing up watching Rich Gannon and then like my brother, I was like, Oh, Rich Gannon's awesome. Jerry Rice, Tim Brown, you know, it's cool. And then my other person, like, Rich Gannon actually was a, was a chief for a little bit. I'm like, Oh really? And then I would watch chief games with them. And then by that point, it's like this, it's like, you know, tug of, tug of war. And so I see Dante Hall. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is, this is, this is my squad right here. And uh, so, and you know, playing youth football around that time, I remember I, I told Jason this, but my brothers would actually, even my brother who's a Raiders fan, they would say, Hey, like, you're not going to be the biggest guy. You're probably going to make a slot receiver type, you know, or like, or, or a little like, tailback, but like, you want to stay on the field because you're not the biggest guy. You want to be able to learn how to block. You want to learn how to block like this guy, number 89 and number 49 on the Chiefs. So like being able to stock block like Jason Dunn or Tony Richardson. So when I, when I first met Jason, I told him that story. And it's oh, that's funny. awesome. Man. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, so that, that's how I became a chief fan being a household with the Raiders chiefs and Washington football team fans. I, you know, picked my chief, I picked my, my chiefs fandom that uh, around that time. So, yeah. You know, I never got a, do you know who Gerard DeCosta is? Uh, he's the, he's the uh, former construction worker in Las Vegas who buried the chief's flag. All right, 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 yeah. I, I've uh, I've talked to him uh, on the podcast once before, and I've talked to him uh, like outside of the podcast a couple of times. I think I can't remember if I asked him on the podcast or if I asked him uh, uh, personally, but um, I remember asking. I'm like, are are your family? What, what what does your family think about this? Are they Chiefs fans? He's like, no, they're Raiders fans. I'm like, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> um, so uh, I never really asked how he became a Chiefs fan or if he's from Kansas City. I, I wish I asked him that, but I, or maybe I did and I just don't remember. But no, he I mean, there are a lot of rumors about what happened. Uh, there was an investigation over a goddamn flag, of all things. Um, uh, a, some people are saying he got fired. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. He did tell me that he moved uh, back to Hawaii to be closer to his grandkids. Uh, maybe he didn't want to talk about being let go. And I would completely understand that. Cause I mean, that's an industry. You're not making a lot of money to begin with as, as dangerous as the job is, man. Uh, but yeah, he's in Hawaii. He's he, on the construction crane, puts the 
biggest cheese like he can find and he's like raising it over the entire state of hawaii and then just post it on social media and then the local news outlets go crazy about it so it's good to see him still uh doing his thing uh with cheese flags outside of kansas city well i got a question so what's your take on so this is something that i've been i've had arguments with like in my entire life so around that time when i did become a cheese fan i was in elementary school I remember obviously Fairweather and Bandwagon was, you know, you're, you're you know, you're a chief fan because Dante Hall and Priest told Tony Gonzalez. And it's like, well, you know, and at the time I was a young kid. So I started to gain more knowledge because I had older brothers who would tell me things. And so, you know, by by the time I got to high school and then when the Chiefs, like that one year with that castle, we had that really good year, people started calling me a bandwagon again. Like, you have no reason to be a Chiefs fan. You're from the Washington area. And like, honestly, what are your thoughts on this being regionally having to become a fan because you're from that region? And I was like, you know, it's, I think it's more than that. Like, you know, a, I'm buying gear for this team. Right. So I'm giving money back to the organization. Right. Yeah. B, I know a lot more about the chiefs than you do about the team, even though just cause you're from the area that makes you a fan. Like I know a lot about this team, like whatever. Like, it's ridiculous that you're, you have to be like a fan because you're from that area. I just think that's bogus. If you, if you have a, if you have an affinity for a team for whatever reason it is, and you can actually back it up with knowledge, go by all means, you're, you're a fan of that team. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I mean, if, first of all, it can't is a bad example because we only have three teams. Uh, one of them is major league soccer, which I guess is not considered one of the power four, I guess, or major four major pro uh, sports leagues in the United States. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I've never really had that experience. Um, I mean, I'm a Royals fan, but I'll be honest, I'm not a big baseball fan. It's just not it's not my cup of tea. Uh, I'll pull for the Royals. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not going to root for any other team. Maybe the Dodgers because my brother likes them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he likes L.A. teams in general, uh, which, you know, that's kind of the thing with me. Like, we don't have an NBA team nor an NHL team. I picked the Lakers. Yeah, when they were good. I'm not going to lie about it. I don't care. Kobe Bryant and, and Shaquille O'Neal are the reasons why I got into the sport. I'll say this. Um um, the Vegas Golden Knights are my team, and people are like, "Why do you pick a team that has the uh, the, the same city as the Raiders? Uh, the, the Raiders are in." I'm like, first of all, I like them before the Raiders moved there or even considered moving there. Second of all, I go to Vegas like four or five times a year when there is not a pandemic. Right. Um, it's my favorite city in the world. So when the Vegas Golden Knights got a team, I'm like, "Yeah, sure, I'll uh, I'll root for them. Why not?" And when they were playing really damn good hockey in their inaugural season. I just got hooked. You know, that just happens, man. Like the chiefs obviously had their year and you just got hooked to it uh, from a distance. And I think there's also like this kind of, I'm trying to find the right word for this. I don't know. Maybe there's like a little special feeling being a fan of a team from a distance. Like everyone wishes they were in Kansas city, even if they didn't attend the parade or um, even, even if they're, they were just going to watch the Super Bowl on TV, people are like, oh, man, I wish I was in Kansas City just for the moment. It's right. like, yeah, but there's also a special feeling being uh, like like Vegas for me. I, I mean, I, there's like a lot of sentimental value to that city for me because I love that city. So anytime the, they, the Golden Knights do well and they show shots of the strip, you know, I just I love it. Um, but yeah, man, you just got hooked when the team was good. That's common. I mean, that's, that's what's happened to me with my teams, uh, uh, Vegas and, um, the Lakers. Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing too, is like when in this area, when I am where like, uh, where I have a lot of chief stuff. So when I wear a chief shirt out and somebody, whether the chief fan or not, Ooh, chiefs looking good this year. Like, yep. But but like if I was in Kansas city and I wore a chief shirt out, no one's going to think twice. Like, Oh, no one's going to point at me and say, you know, so that's just one thing that's like, I've noticed in being in, in, in this area. And, 
And that's the thing with the DC area. It's a, such a transient area. So you have so many people coming from Pittsburgh, all, all over the place. A lot of people from Massachusetts. You have a lot of Patriot fans around here. And obviously, for some reason, a lot of Cowboys fans around here. I don't know why. It's not like we have a lot of people from Dallas. I just think that you know, for the last 30, 20, 30 years, Dallas has been a team in that division. So people may be growing up in households who were Redskins fans, but they saw the Cowboys winning. So they became Dallas fans. So it's, it's just this area is the weird area, transient area when it comes to sports teams. You know, what's so interesting is um, you, you mentioned like, you know, pointing out uh, Chiefs fans when you're not, because, because you'll do that when you're on vacation too. Like if I see someone with a Golden Knights jersey, uh, or a shirt um, while I'm traveling. I saw a woman in Mexico with a Golden Knights shirt. I'm like, hey, I'm a Golden Knights fan also. And she <laughs> showed me her golf club, and it's all like Vegas gold. I'm like, damn, you're a bigger fan than I am. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, in Vegas, uh, you know, especially now with Mahomes, anytime you see someone else with a Mahomes jersey or a Mahomes shirt, uh, you just point it out and just wave and, you know, high-five each other as you uh, as you pass by. But um I remember when we were in Vegas for the 4th of July, my brother had his uh, Mahomes shirt and we're just passing by uh, one of the malls. There's a new, uh, are, are you familiar with Vegas? That's on my bucket list. That's a place I do want to go to. Okay. Uh, I haven't been yet, but that's a place I do want to go to. So no, I'm no, it's, it's a, it's a great place. I love the place. It really, it really is uh, a, a great time. Uh, but there, there's a new hotel that are called, I can't remember if it's called world resorts or resorts world. I think it's resorts world. Um, but anyway, uh, I went there to just kind of check out the new hotel. Uh, a lot of these hotels also have malls inside them. So if, if you want to eat, drink, shop, whatever, you can do all of that at all these different hotels. So I'm in there just kind of checking them out and they have like a very small Raiders store there. And my brother and I, obviously we have, we have no interest in buying anything from there. So we're passing by and there's a Raiders fan with a Derek Carr jersey, just doing this to my brother. And I go, hey, how many Super Bowls has that guy taken you to? And he just does one of these to me and walks away. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Raiders fans are so – here's my thing. I, I I hold this – I don't normally give a shit what people have to say about me on social media. But there is one thing that really bothered me, and it was Raiders fans on my Facebook page. Uh, I shared the rumor that there was a very good chance Khalil Mack would get traded – for two first round draft picks, which obviously happened. Right. Um, but I, I there, there were like a lot of Raiders pages that shared my post. Oh no. And by the way, ever since this, I've always wrote, you know, according to Schefter or whoever, Rappaport, whatever, mm-hmm. um, blah, blah, blah. So I always now source whoever it comes from because you got to do that now or to not get shit from people because oh, then yeah. they think it's from you. But anyway, I shared the Khalil Mack rumor and all these Raiders fans are lighting me up. They're like, oh, you're spreading fake news. How dare you? Why would you do this kind of thing? And like, I'm, I'm telling you, there were hundreds of comments about this. I'm like, <laughs> shit, I, I, I actually deleted it. And not even kidding you, 10 minutes after I deleted it, he gets traded for two first round draft picks. And I swear to God, I wish I did not do that. I would have responded to every single asshole and would have said, what now, bitch? Yeah. Like, I'll always hold that against Raiders fans. Um, I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter. I always say uh, Chad Henney has more career passing yards in the postseason than Derek Carr. Yeah. Dude, Raiders fans, I don't know how they find it, but they ju- it just comes up on their timeline. <laughs> they get so worked up over it. There's another tweet I always keep saying also. 
Um, just pointing out like funny Raiders stats. I can't remember. Oh, every time the playoffs start, I always say, uh, what time is the Raiders game? And they all get so mad about it. It's so funny. It's like, I like, I'll always do that to Raiders fan just because of the whole Julio Mack thing. <laughs> well, so with my older brother being a Raiders fan, um, growing up, you'd always like, whenever we talk, whenever the Chiefs were better than them, which has been pretty much since, oh, since oh three, when they went to the Super Bowl or oh two, it's been it's been pretty much that's been the way things been with the Chiefs and Raiders, yeah, but like yeah. is is always his comment was all right, buddy. You haven't had a Super Bowl. You haven't, you haven't won a Super Bowl since Woodstock. Okay, get get lost. So now since we've won that, now it goes to okay, but we we have we have three. Have yeah, two. we have three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, Zach and I. Uh, Zach uh, comes on and does some podcasts with me. Zach and I have talked about this. So before the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, uh, there was a Raiders fan who, who was like. Um, uh, we own the West. I'm like, dude, we've won it for like four or five years in a row. Yeah, but we we own it because we have three Super Bowls. I'm like, okay, but by that logic, Denver's won a Super Bowl more recently. And a Patriots, it took a Patriots fan to join into the comment and, and, and goes, dude, that's not how football works. That's not how owning uh, teams work. Um, but yeah, as you said, Raiders fans, it went from, oh, you haven't been relevant to in 50 years. Now it's, oh, we have three, you have two. It's like, Enjoy that record while you can, because in like yeah. three or four years, that will turn. Because then it, you know what's going to be next. Once we have more Super Bowls than they do, it's going to be oh, we won three before you won three. I yeah. like I will bet money on that right now. That will be their next little whatever, because that's how, who they are. And I will say, like, and my brother always being a, 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 this rare chief hater. He actually <laughs> likes he actually likes Mahomes. Like he can't like he it's probably one of the hardest guys. Obviously, you see a lot of haters online and stuff, but this guy, my brother, who hates anything chief related, like he he wants his his son plays quarterback in high school and he wants him to watch Mahomes film and like actually learn from it. So it's like yeah, it's it, it's interesting that we have this guy who may, could possibly be one of the best of all time, and I hope he is because I have a lot yeah. of rookie cards and all those auto rookies so i hope that does happen uh, but like do you do you have the one that went for 3.4 million or whatever i wish okay all right <laughs> i have one that's uh, there was only 10 made of it so i'm hoping that one you know i hope someday i hope it gets to at least a couple thousand but yeah, i think right now it's at a couple thousand but hopefully you know 20 oh. maybe we'll see um but it's just, it's funny because we have this guy who could be the best of all time it's like how most of us can't stand tom brady you would think mahomes would be that figure but He's just too hard of a guy to really dislike to have that kind of like like hate for him that he, that we see with Brady. Mahomes doesn't have that, so it's interesting to see Raiders fans kind of like not dog him as much as you think they would, right? Because I think they still have more of a dislike for uh, Brady just based on the talk rule and just the kind of the history. And I think Mahomes just owns them, so there's not there's no like this conspiracy on the talk rule that you know that he lingers over the Raiders. He just kind of beats them. So it's, it, I, I find that interesting. You know what's interesting? Yeah, and by the way, I know I invited you to the um, we did like a super a big Super Bowl Eve podcast, and I know uh, you had something going on, so you couldn't make it unfortunately. Uh, but I did bring that same thing up where Mahomes is like like Brady every single year he goes to the Super Bowl like after the first couple he's a villain. Right. I think at some point Mahomes will be hated though. And look, let's be let, let's be honest because Chiefs fans love to play this whole card of oh, it's us against the world. The refs hate us. That's not the case at all. Like if you go back to that AFC Championship game against the Patriots, ESPN did a poll, and I cannot remember if it was who do you want or who do you think will win. I think it was who do you think will win. But let's be honest, it's always people always vote based on who they want. Yeah. 
Right. The entire Northeast region voted for the Patriots. Every single other state, including Colorado, California, all picked the Chiefs. It's like even Raiders fans got behind, as you said, the Chiefs because it's against Brady. Now, at some point, probably once Brady retires, Mahomes is going to be replacing Brady as the most hated. Like, it's going to happen eventually. Listen, I'm a Kansas Jayhawks basketball fan, so I get it. Um, KU fans get so offended when teams uh, rush the court. They're like, oh, that's classless. It's like, that's a good thing for us. It means we're great. Like, like think about all the time. Like, the, we, we talked about the Chiefs and Packers game in, from 2011. Like, we were jumping up and down. Like, that was our Super Bowl because yeah. we did not have a Super Bowl for 50 years. Like, teams, fan bases that don't have success, like the Chiefs and Royals for a very long time, they enjoy those small, precious moments because that is their Super Bowl, essentially. Um, So, look, I mean, fans are going to be fans. uh, But um, where was I going with this? Um, The the whole point I'm trying to make is uh, Mahomes will be hated at some point. Oh, I I was going to say this. Because a lot of people think that the NFL wants the Patriots to win. Or back when they had Brady, people are very surprised because Patriots fans complain. All I sometimes do listen to local radio shows after we beat a team or lose to a team just to see what their fans are saying. Uh, when remember we beat the Patriots and they were complaining about the refs and all these other things. Um, that was the one where there was like uh, the Tyreek Hill fumble. He like he almost caught up. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, the game where they had a t- uh, they had a touchdown. They called it back. Yes. Yeah. They put him at the three yard line. No, that, that, yeah, don't worry. No, go ahead. Do your thing. Do your thing. Uh, but what I was saying was um, in that game. Now, listen, the Patriots had uh, committed some penalties that were missed. Also, I say this all the time about sports. I get really annoyed when fans complain about, oh, the refs miss this call, this call against us. The, the refs hate us. It's like, no, they don't. They miss a lot of calls on both sides. I mean, think about this too. If you're Patrick Mahomes, you're you're on offense. You obviously don't play on defense. When you're on defense, you're sitting down. You've got a Gatorade cooler uh, next to you. The referees don't have that. Now, sometimes the managers will go up and give them uh, a cup of water or something just to cool down a bit, but they're on their damn feet the entire time. It's a pretty hard job. Um, there are – like, I remember uh, – uh, are you a Royals fan or just a Chiefs fan? I – it's funny. I, 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 Royals are my team when I was younger, not knowing really much about professional sports. I okay. remember watching ESPN, seeing this blue and white KC. I'm like, oh, that's like the that's the, that's the team I like in, in, the, in the fall. They're playing in the springtime right now, a different sport. Uh, oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I became a Royals fan off that. Um Actually, you have a Hosmer bobblehead right behind me. Right there. Uh, see, that's actually who I was going to mention, Eric. Oh, yeah, the, the infamous slide. Can never forget yeah. that. <laughs> um, Hosmer, the Chiefs were losing a game. It was 13 to 2. And I remember that because uh, there were two pitches that were not strikes, but the umpire called them strikes. And Ryan Lefevre, the uh, play by play guy for the Royals, goes, Eric Hosmer is getting the 13 to 2. Uh, strike zone right now because look it's hot as hell they're on their feet they do kind of want to get the game over with Hosmer was pissed off and got ejected for that uh, but, but here's my point it's like people talk about the refs and who they favor when they that's people were talking about Sarah Thomas uh, because she officiated the Super Bowl 
and she has her son named after Tom Brady. So she's against us. Like just the most ridiculous conspiracy theories. Uh, it just annoys me, man. But anyway, my, my whole point is people would be very surprised. Patriots fans actually think the NFL is against them, even mm. though everyone else thinks otherwise. And right. by the way, everyone in the NFL, like as Chiefs fans still think the NFL is out to get us. Meanwhile, all the 31 other fan bases think the NFL loves the Chiefs more than everyone else. It's funny how these fandoms work sometimes. It's true, yeah. And, and I mean, I will say, I, I still think that the Super Bowl this past year was kind of poorly, poorly officiated. I, I agree, think. yeah. Um, and there was a lot of calls they missed on the other side, too. But obviously, we're, we're focusing on the ones that we see. like Exactly, you know, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, no, you're right, and I do think that Mahomes will become the 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 one that everyone hates. I mean, that's that, that's that's how that's how these things work. Um, it'll be interesting though to see to, to see how that when that time comes, because I'll tell you what, his work the, the year he won the MVP, I read an article that he was uh, like, he did not want to get like just jump on any kind of like marketing campaigns or take yeah. any kind of sponsorships because they were kind of trying to lessen. I guess his like value being out there, they didn't want him like to be the, the hated guy yet, yet, right? Yeah. That's why in recent years we've seen the Oakleys, the Hunts Ketchup, I mean other other different uh, um, State Farm. Yep. Um, so like we're starting to see that, and then we're gonna see even more of it, and then that's when, and then and we'll see. We we see it online now. A lot of a lot of fans hate the whole uh, when Bleacher Report or SB Nation tweets out a uh, a video of the no look pass. Like, oh man. Like no, no other, no other quarterbacks have done that before Mahomes. People hate that, so you're already yeah. starting to see that kind of uh, become a thing. So, yeah, I think it's only a matter of time where he, when he does become that. But I think right now, let's enjoy him not being uh, the uh, the number one, uh, the number one guy for everyone to uh, throw darts at right now. So. You know, here's my thing, and, and maybe I'm I'm oblivious to this. I'll admit I don't watch um, these kinds of. You know, you know Jason Brown. Uh, have you have you ever watched uh, Netflix's Last Chance? You. I, I actually don't watch that. I, I you, you had him on whatever podcast, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jason's a nice guy. I know he's in a little bit of uh, pot. Uh, he made a comment he should have not made, and because of that, his whiskey got taken. His whiskey is called the Slapdick uh, whiskey. Um, <laughs> but yeah, someone was being snarky, and and, and uh, I said I'd address this. I'll just say it real quickly. The comment he made, um, which I'll say it. Um, there was a woman uh, here in Kansas city who got the whiskey. She took a picture and made a snarky comment about the name of it. And people were making fun of it. And she was kind of parading along it. Then she kind of played victim because of his comments. Uh, Jason made a comment saying, uh, why don't you try it? You've had worse in your mouth. <laughs> it's, it's not a comment. I condone. I, right. I, I told, I told him that um, he says someone else was running the account. I, I'll be honest. I don't know if I believe that or not, um, but I certainly don't condone it. But I also don't condone this woman who was being snarky and all of a sudden is playing victim to all of this. Um, plus, she, 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 she's promoted other drinks that have had sexual. Re- Slapdick is not even a sexual reference, but oh, well, anyway, that's all I just wanted to say about that. But Jason Brown on his podcast, um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, we were talking about Mahomes being public enemy number one, and you brought up Jason Brown. That's kind of the, you segued onto that. Oh man, uh, this happens all the time. Oh, <laughs> uh, he, here's how this works. I'll remember after we're done recording. That's um, that's usually how that works. Um, man, what were we? Yeah, we were talking about Mahomes and all this stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. I will say on the on the, on the slapdick uh, comment, 
That was something that some of our football coaches used to call us that all the time. Like we were all <laughs> gagging around. All right, you're a bunch of slap dicks. You can go on the field, you know, snap out of it and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been called a slap dick many times in my life. Well, if you if you haven't, check out the series. Um, seasons three and four are in Kansas. That's the one Jason is a part of. He used to play with the Chiefs briefly, and uh, Jason Dunn remembers him because uh, they were both on offense. I don't know exactly how long Jason was with the Chiefs exactly. I don't think I don't know if he played a preseason game, mm-hmm. um, but you know it, it's weird because it's a it's it's basically like a reality TV show. He gets a lot of shit because he curses and yells at players. I'm like, man, I don't know what world we live in where people are so oblivious that coaches yell and curse. They're like, oh, but they're college kids. He shouldn't do that. I'm like, yeah, but listen, I never played high school sports. I never played college sports. But I did play, you know, when I was in elementary, middle school, man, I've been told some things, okay? Like, yeah, uh, things that, you know, maybe my mom would be like, what the fuck? But uh, come on. Like, first of all, a lot of these athletes, they make fun of the uh, the nerds at, at their high schools, all right? Like, the, the, these are the last people who I'm going to have sympathy for because they get yelled at by a coach. Um, <laughs> but for whatever reason, Jason's this horrible guy, so he gets a lot of shit for that. Um, I'll never understand it. And I, and I think you know, in, in many in many respects, we've kind of matured in, in general. And not growing up playing youth football, playing high school, and playing college football, I got I got yelled at a lot, and a lot of curse words were said to me. <laughs> and I also had four older brothers who you know would talk to me in a certain ways, so I knew a lot of curse words. And when I was younger, but like I think a lot of people look at modern day twenty twenty one in their 2021 goggles, and they people they understand it's like that's honestly how it's. And I'm not saying things have have, have how they always been necessarily need, need to remain the same, but like, come on, coaches yelling at guys like light a fire on their butt and cursing a little bit. I I mean, I think I think it just comes to every sport, you know. It's that, that's what I think. But obviously, there needs to be a limit on what you say. But I mean, calling kids slap dicks, you know. He's, I haven't seen this coach before, but I mean, cursing uh, around kids or you know, however high schoolers. They, they're, they're, they're saying that to each other. Okay. So that's yeah, not just doing that, you know, we were all in high school, you know, look, I, um, I play grand theft auto five online. Okay. And the kids who get on with their headsets and the arguments they have with other kids or even people older than them, it's like, I mean, obviously you can't tell exactly how old someone sounds, but you can kind of maybe guess an age range. Right. I'm like, wow, you kids really are great with your uh, foul language diction these days. Like back in the day, you know, it's like you parents did not absolutely would not even say these things around, uh, around a five-year-old. Now it's like with online video streaming and online gaming and, you know, anything out there on the internet with social media, kids now know every single word in the book. So these kids say it to each other all the time. Anyway, it's like a coach saying it should be the last thing we're offended about. It's true. Yeah. At least that coach try, is trying to give your kids some kind of structure. And yeah. You know, it may be cursing a little bit, but you know, it's, it's all, it's all for a, a better purpose. But you're playing Grand Theft Auto and stuff and you're cursing at randos online. And yeah. It's Grand Theft Auto. Great place to really pick a fight with someone. Tyler <laughs> um, right. asked a question on the Facebook page. He says, what kind of year are you guys expecting from Clyde Edwards Alaire? You know, a lot of people forget this. He was, I think it was like week six. Somewhere around there. It could, I, I could be off one or two uh, weeks. He was second in the NFL in rushing yards behind Derrick Henry, who at some point people thought he could have been the MVP. Um, you're on an offense with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And the fact that Travis Kelsey is breaking the single season record uh, for most receiving yards, he's done it twice now. 
Yeah. Uh, George Kittle beat him like 30 minutes later uh, the same day, but you get the idea. Um, the fact that Hill and Kelsey are both putting up huge numbers while they're sharing an offense together is already impressive. Uh, I'm expecting a bigger step from Clyde Edwards-Alaire if he stays healthy, but uh, if he doesn't have like a big year statistically, I know people are going to hold it against him, but I think it's going to be so easy to forget. He's on a field with two pro bowlers. Yeah. What do you think about that? I, I agree. And I also say if we're talking fantasy wise, I'm big in the uh, CEH. I think you need to buy on him, make sure you get his handcuff. But if he doesn't have a thousand yards rushing, I I'm honestly I'm not expecting that. Yeah. Give me, me 700 yards rushing and like, like 500 or 600 yards at, at the backfield as far as receiving. I think with the old line that we have, and plus last year he was he was he was he was, he was a rookie. I mean, his his first game of the season was his first action. He didn't get with with, with no OTAs, no preseason, no, exactly. And it's, it's insane. I mean, and we and also the old line that we had. I mean, you know, it's the the, same, the problems that we kind of saw towards the end of the season. That was the old line he's running, running, uh, and, and you see what he's done in the preseason in a limited sample size. I think, I mean, I think with the old line the way it is, I think he can have a good year as long as he stays healthy. And, you know, and he definitely could get a thousand yards rushing, but I, I just don't, I don't see that. I think our bread and butter is the passing game, and I still think he'll, he'll have an amazing roll out of the backfield, though. I mean, for sure. Yeah. Uh- I remember when he got drafted, Peter Schrager, who's who, who's a pretty good. Um, oh, by the way, I remember what I was going to say when I mentioned Jason Brown. I'll get to that in a moment. Okay. Uh, Peter Schrager, who is one of the more respected guys nationally. Um, uh, he said the next morning, I guess, like NFL general managers were ripping their throwing their binders and papers all over because they were pissed. The Chiefs got Clyde Edwards Alaire. And listen, I don't watch college football, so I don't know. I didn't I, like a lot of times when these guys get drafted, this is my first time hearing their name because I don't watch college football so closely. Um, so when the Chiefs got him and when Schrager made that comment, I'm like, did we did we draft the second coming of Priest Holmes? Like, what did we what do we get? Because um, that comment kind of confused me. But again, it's like. I'm also considering the fact that we have a very crowded offense like Byron Pringle. I think Byron Pringle is a great receiver, but he's not capable maybe this year because Sammy Watkins has moved on. But in the past, it's like you're competing with Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey to get the football. And I know Sammy Watkins missed games because of injury, but um, it's so hard to get involved in this offense in a big manner. Statistically, like Tyreek Hill, he might have one or two catches, but that doesn't mean he had a bad game. He's yeah. probably attracting all these defenders and then makes Travis Kelsey get wide open or Demarcus Robinson wide open. So it's you got to be very careful how you analyze, how you measure success individually on this offense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and, and, and you said right there, it's, it's not your typical offense. So, like, you know, if he does have a year of 600 yards rushing or 700 yards rushing and then he had 500 yards receiving, he's done his job. Because Yeah, like, I agree with that. It's – there's there's too many there's too there's too much talent on this team and now and we're talking about looking at last night's game we, we're rolling out these three or four tight end sets now I mean just the the creativity that we're doing behind these offenses is, is you can't really base what you know as an offense prior to this on anything you can't really you can't really base it on anything and I think he I think he is going to have a good year and as long as he stays healthy and also I think Jarek McKinnon is going to be another key to it because. We didn't really add the other receiver, but we did add Jerick McKinnon, who has proven to be a good pass catcher on the backfield. So yeah. I can see I can see uh, sets where you have CH and McKinnon in, um, in together in a package together when you maybe motion out CH or McKinnon both, you know, 
out um, as receiver. So, yeah, I, I, I think CH is going to have a good year. Um, and if you are, if Tyler, if you're playing fantasy, get CEH late first, early second round. I mean, that, that, that's where he's going right now. And I think that's a, I, I think it's a steal. Um, and I, I think you'll have an amazing role in this offense this year, especially having preseason under his belt. And, you know, I, I, I finally an offseason where he actually, he can actually learn um, the playbook and, and everything. So I think, yeah, it'll be interesting to see him flourish in this offense this year. You know, a lot of say, Oh, go ahead. I got a question for you. So I'm not yeah. from the, the, the Kansas, Kansas City area or anything, but I know that people just love Byron Pringle. And I'm not I'm not the not that I'm not a fan. I just don't see the hype behind it as much as I see everybody on in, in, in the Chiefs world, the Chiefs Twitter world. Everybody is so sold on him. And I don't know how much of it is. Like, do you actually think he's like the, the wide receiver too? Or is it because you're kind of biased because the whole Kansas State thing? And just, I, I just feel like that's a lot of where this comes from, seeing all the hype behind Pringle on uh, in the Chiefs Kingdom Twitter world. Yeah. You, you, you know, me personally, like, as much as I love KU and hate KUKC, I can drop all of that once these guys are in the NFL. Um, I was actually really excited when Chase Daniels signed. Uh, all my classmates at KU were like, oh, I hate that guy. I'm like, oh, I forgot about KU for a second. Um, <laughs> no, I, I remember Pringle, he had a really, really good preseason a couple of years ago. And that was in 2018, the, the big year, you know, the Patrick Mahomes' year, essentially. And he he suffered a season-ending in or uh, yeah season-ending injury in the final preseason game, which is always just I mean there's never a good time for an injury, but it always sucks when it's when you basically don't even get to play that year. Um, and I remember thinking I was like, what can this guy do in this offense? And I think he has contributed in a manner in certain situations. Um, now on special teams, we've seen him excel. He did win special teams player of the week uh, last year against the Broncos for his uh, kick return touchdown. You know, this whole thing is interesting with Sammy Watkins moving on. And I don't know who the number two guy is going to be between um, Hardman. I I really like Hardman, but he's got to be consistent. Uh, Robinson, he did have like that two-week stretch where he just dominated on the field when Tyreek Hill was injured. Um, But I don't know. I I think Pringle, he's got the speed. And he's capable of, of making some big plays. We've seen it on special teams. And I think in this offense, if you have a speedster, you can really use that to your advantage. Look at Tyree Kill. Look at McCole Hardman when he uh, when he's focused and makes those big plays. You see them do a lot of damage. And Byron Pringle is, is, is capable of that. Um, you, you're not big on him? Not that I'm not big on him. I just think that this whole offseason, everyone's like, no, we don't need a number two. We don't need to bring another guy. We have Pringle and, and Marcus Robinson and Hardman. I'm like, hi. And, and we're starting to see a little bit where, I mean, some people online are like, maybe we should go after we get another receiver, you know? It's like, obviously, for me, it's like, obviously, Beach wasn't that sold on the guys we have in the room. That's why they made a big play at Juju. You know, we almost had yeah. Juju. It could have been ours. And so – like for me, it's like if they're not sold on him, and I'm—I mean, I don't know. I just think a lot of like Chief fans are just huge on him because he's a K-State guy. And it's like let's, let's get him in there um, as a number two. Who—who who is your uh, number two? Uh, to you, who's your number two guy? I—I I don't think it's Pringle, but I do think he'll be more involved this year. I really want to say Hardman, but man, he just that that Arizona game. He and Mahomes were not really. Uh, in sync and I don't know maybe part of it is because Tyreek Hill was not there but look if Tyreek Hill is injured you have to learn to move on without him that, that's part we, we brag about the depth and the speed all the time with this offense so you have to learn to 
play without him if he ever gets hurt. Yeah. Um, I would have to say, I think for week one, I think it's going to be Demarcus Robinson, but I can see a, I can see all three of those guys getting uh, they're They're going to be active in rotation um, unless one of them just completely dominates. Um, and I really hope that guy is McCole Hardman. Uh, he's got to prove he can, uh, he, he can be in sync with Mahomes though. Yeah. Now that's, that's a fair point. I, I brought it up on the show uh, yesterday that like when Tyreek Hill's not there, we need to have a guy who can just fill in that role. And, and when we saw in that game, it's like, I oh, didn't really didn't, didn't look the part. Um, but and I will say something this is telling and I'm doing my fantasy research. I honestly don't I don't remember this during the season, but when Watkins wasn't there, uh Pringle and Robinson uh, percentage-wise split up more of his reps, Watkins reps, than Hardman. And so I, I mean I don't remember that during the games, but seeing that, I was like, wow, that's interesting. So obviously they see that Robinson and Pringle are, are would be more of that number two role and than as opposed to Hardman. But I, I hope Hardman does pan out. Well, you know what's so weird? The uh, the year the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, it kind of started off funky because Mahomes had the ankle injury and the same game, Tyreek Hill gets hurt and he missed the rest of that game and then four more games. So essentially five games because he got hurt early in that game. And this Chiefs offense was still moving the ball very well. Uh, Hardman had a big hand in that. And I remember people were complaining on Twitter that year, like, why is Hardman playing very limited snaps? He played very, very few snaps, and he had an insane average. Yeah. And then that average dropped drastically last year. So if he can, if he gets more playing time and goes back to that 2019 form, man, like he and Tyreek Hill are going to do a lot of damage. Um, but again, that consistency kills a lot of people. And look, as a Hardman fan, I, I can't really defend that. Um, that's a valid uh, criticism of him. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It, I, I think to start off, you're going to see all three of those guys very active unless someone breaks away, which not going to happen right away, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who, who do you think is going to be the number, number two guy to start off? I, I want to lean Robinson. For me personally, I would put Robinson as the number two guy. To yeah. be, be the more possession guy. Because McCole's more a big play guy, and if he can be the number two guy and be a big play guy, by all means, I, I love it. I just think that Robinson will – I think Robinson will be that guy, but I think the Chiefs are going to want to make a make a point to give Harmon that uh, that chance of being the number two guy. Yeah. And, I mean, I hope it pans out. That, but I, I do think Harmon will be the guy to start the season out. I hope he either takes off or not, or we'll start to see more um, rotation between Pringle and Robinson. You know what's so interesting? This this preseason, people were very invested because it's like, you know, all these guys that just completely shined uh, from the start of the game all the way to the end of the game. I mean, the, the Chiefs, and look, this is a great problem to have. These are the problems you, you do end up having when you have a great starting uh, 22, and then you have all these backups that want to be part of the team, and they know that this team is going to do something special this year. So all these players fighting really hard to make the team. There are going to be some good players who get let go. Some people are wondering if um, Cornell Powell, you know, generally the assumption is if you're drafted, you make the team. Okay, maybe 99.9% of the time, but uh, we, we've seen draft picks. Get, I remember the quarter. Do you remember the quarterback, Kevin Hogan? We cut him after the preseason. Yeah. Um, do, do we bring him back on too? I don't think so. I, I think he. I think he moved on to Cleveland right away. I, I think um, he got played. He actually. I think he got started the game or came in and been that cleanup duty. 
Yeah, he did end up starting a game. They There was this stretch where they had a lot of injuries before Baker Mayfield got there. But uh, the point I'm trying to make is there are going to be a lot of players who get let go. And it's just, you know, like Doris Fountain for, uh, for me, like he had a fantastic preseason. I'm also trying to contain that excitement because he also went against backups. Uh, but, you know, what else is he to do? Like he that's his job to go out there and try to be better than those backups. Um, there are going to be some really good players who get let go. Like uh, I know people like Gary Dieter just because of his connection to Mahomes, but he hasn't really done a whole lot. Uh, Powell, he's a draft pick, but I think he could be the odd man out. What do you think about the uh, the uh, depth at running back and receiver? Because I think there, there's a chance a lot of good guys get let go. Yeah, I mean, especially right now with the injury concerns that we have between Williams and CEH. Darwin Thompson looked good spurts. I mean, I, I've no. I was I, seeing his film because I didn't I didn't I didn't watch much Utah State the three with right Utah State. Uh, I, watch, I believe so. I didn't watch much tape of him in college, but when I saw his highlights once he drafted, I was like, "This guy could be this guy could be unreal." Um, you know, like I, I think we'll yeah. That's the thing I, I think between the running back and receiver, obviously, I think we're, it's pretty obvious after last night we're going to keep our four tight ends. That's pretty uh, and Jason. Oh, you think so? Oh, I think so. I I, I okay. think last night I've seen that. JD's been talking about it all like the last few weeks, how he's so excited about the return of the tight end and the Chiefs. I feel um, like that's too many, but a lot of people are saying that's going to happen. And in fact, someone told me last night we started with four tight ends last year. So I'm probably going to end up being wrong on that one. Huh. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I think if we do keep four tight ends, obviously it's going to come uh, somewhere else. I think huh, if we do this way, if Dieter does make the team, that's just nepotism, and uh, Dieter, Dieter picked the right guy to become boys with. And if he's, on, if he's on the team, then we know where that came from. Um, and, and yeah, if he maybe, maybe he goes to practice squad. Who knows? But I think Marcus Kemp had an amazing um, preseason as yeah. well. Um, Fountain had an amazing preseason. I think Pal. I don't know. Like you said, uh, usually guys who draft at least make the team. I remember, uh, I think I think Beach's first draft, Kavari Russell, third round pick. He 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 got cut. Um, so I mean, there's other. He he got cut like two or three weeks into the season. It was a it was a pretty big surprise. Yeah, yeah. I'm so I'm like I don't know, and I, I do think if Powell does get cut, he's going right to Jacksonville. I know they're trying to keep uh, Lawrence's weapons around around him, so I could see him going to Jacksonville. If he does get cut, um, just based on the Trevor Lawrence and how Urban Meyer is trying to surround him with his guys. But yeah, yeah I, I think that Darwin Thompson will be the one cut. I know I've seen some people online saying Darrell Williams will get cut. I don't think so because but Darwin will be the odd man out. You got. Ceh McKinnon, very you know, pass catcher type running backs in the backfield, and we need a we need a pounder. That's Darrell Williams. He's like the Spencer Ware of this team that we have now. Um, and as far as the receivers, whew, Robinson, Hardman, Pringle, Tyreek, Marcus Kemp has had this weird thing. Like he's left the team and he's come back multiple times. Like he's changed his jersey yeah. number three times, I think. Yeah. So I think he's gonna stick around. I hope so because he, he had he had a camp he had a good camp and good preseason and people are actually aren't even talking about him that much. They're talking more about Fountain than they are talking about him. But realistically, I say we we, we keep those four. We go Fountain and we go Camp, and those are the six receivers we, we have. That, 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 that's that, that's what I think. But who knows with Dieter and his relationship with Mahomes, like he can maybe yeah. stay on. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Um, I mean, look, by all means, Dwayne Bow wasn't as big of a superstar like uh, Mahomes is. Uh, but I remember being in the locker room at the time and Bobby Scipio, you remember Bobby Scipio, oh, the, the hard knocks legend. Best um, ever. He's, he's cousins with Dwayne Bow, and he had a 
pretty good preseason that year, but he still ended up being cut. And I remember wanting to just talk to Dwayne Bow after the game, just because he was my favorite player on uh, at the team or on the team uh, at the time. And uh, I was like, Hey, Dwayne, can I talk to you for a moment? Which looking back, I was 17 years old. Keep that in mind. Looking back, it is kind of weird to want to talk to these starting uh, players who hardly play the fourth preseason game. But um, I go, Dwayne, do you have a, a moment uh, for an interview? He goes one moment and he was like really pissed off. I'm like, Oh, I better hurry up. I think he was upset because he just found out Bobby Scipio was getting cut. Mm. So yeah, I mean, uh, but by all means, again, Mahomes far different when it comes to sentimental value with this organization. So I can understand. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Gary Dieter does uh, end up uh, making the team because of that. So who knows? I didn't even know that Scipio was Bo's cousin. Do they, do they make reference to that in the hard knocks that year? I want to say so. Yeah. I, I think they did. Yeah. And I remember even uh, there was a, the chiefs used to do that. They don't do this anymore. Maybe it's because they would have a way bigger turnout today. But uh, they used to do something called the Chiefs Access Tour. They did this in four different locations. One of them was the um, Nelson Atkins Museum. Do you know the Nelson Atkins Museum or what that is? So you've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they did one there. They did one at um, the Truman Library. They did one at um, the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Basically, it was an event at four different locations. And uh, fans had an opportunity to just walk up to these players at, the, at their tables take pictures, get autographs, all these uh, fun things. Um, and I remember meeting Bobby Sippy and I just asked him that. He's like, yeah, man, we're family. So, yeah, they're um, they're definitely connected. Bobby was really good in the arena leagues, but just couldn't make it in the NFL, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I remember seeing his, his hands during that, during that hard knocks, man. He had some of the best hands I've ever seen. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, it's, it's like, you know, you, you feel like you're getting – the next coming of a number one receiver in the NFL when you watch that episode or the, the, that entire season. But no, yeah, there's, I've talked to Jason about this because you remember the first episode when Jason was really upset with Herm Edwards for the room situation. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that and he did mention like that show really does kind of mess with teams in a way. Cause there were a lot of young guys on the team that year and a lot of them were playing to the camera. And I was like, because fans always speculate on this stuff. I'm like, Jason, you guys are professionals. Did this, is this really a distraction? He's like, hell yes, it's a distraction. So I'm glad we had that discussion. Cause I've always wanted to know that the Cowboys have done this like three times. Jerry Jones loved the camera. You, we know that, but yeah, he does love it. yeah. but uh, anyway, I do remember what I was going to say earlier. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was uh, in relation to, but um, Jason Brown on his podcast he talks. He complains a lot about Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman and Skip Bayless and all these. Here's my thing, man. Um, first of all, these TV shows, and you understand this because you've been in TV before. TV, you're you're very. There's a strict clock, and for those that don't who don't know what I mean by clock, that's basically the timing of how things go. Because you have to hit schedule. Uh, you have to hit commercial at a very specific time. You have to then get out of the show at a specific time. So the next show on ESPN or Fox sports can uh, get underway. Um, I don't watch these TV shows like first take first things first, because a lot of times they're just yelling at each other to get their point across. And plus it's like, they're picking and choosing which topics to cover. And it's always the big ones. Whereas me personally, when I listen to the national media, I prefer radio over uh tv i have a subscription uh subscription to sirius xm so i love turning on espn radio the nfl channel mad dog sports like they're not 
talking about just the biggest story. They're talking about other stories as well. And I tell people this all the time, like stop watching these guys on TV and listen to the radio format um, of that same station. Uh, They're like, no, I I like TV better. I'm like, yeah, but you're complaining about these guys. So, and I think this maybe had to do with our discussion about about Mahomes being possibly the most hated one day. Because a lot of times what the national media says people form their ideas because of them. Not me, man. I can watch these games and form my own opinions. Um, Plus it's like the radio hosts because of their timing, perhaps their commentary is way better than the people on TVs, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And that's the thing you can, you can listen to a radio and they can pretty, you know, like a lot of these radio segments are three hours. So they have a a good amount of time to kind of, you know, talk about at least uh, at length. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, the, the, the TVs, they're, they're hamstrung by the, the, the time. And you can see that when, when Stephen A is talking and Molly's like, okay, okay, well, you know, we, we have to go commercial break now because the producer's in our ears. Like, hey, we gotta yeah. go now, gotta go now, gotta go now. She's, she's trying to get off there. She's trying to make a last comment before they go to commercial break. And a lot of times, you know, you, you can see these comments on Twitter. It's like, oh man, of course, Molly interjecting again. It's like, no, she has to do that because they have to get a commercial yeah. break. <laughs> People, you know, what's funny. People always say this. Um, they go, oh man, these guys just talk or they do play by play or they do, um, studio analysts. I can just talk about football too. Yeah. Until you have someone in your ear talking. Um, I remember, you know, again, this, this wasn't a professional setting. This was a college setting. Uh, we were doing a live, uh, basketball broadcast and I was a sideline reporter and I was going to talk to, I was going to interview, um, one of the coaches, um, and I'm waiting for the play by play guys to, um, to pitch it to me and I can hear the, uh, the truck, uh, the director in the truck, he's, he keeps talking and the play-by-play announcer is distracted by that. He goes, um, um, and I'm like, dude, just pitch it to me. I'm here. I'm with the coach and the coach is pissed. So hurry the fuck up. So, um, and then, then the director won't shut up. And the director goes, pitch it, pitch it. And he's like, yeah, uh, pitch it to Farzee and Vasugan. I'm like, finally. But yeah, I mean, it's people think it's easy to do. But once you're in that spot and you have someone in your earpiece, they call them IFBs, for those who don't know, it can be pretty annoying. Like uh, Ari Wolf, um, who was doing, who did the uh, preseason broadcast for the Chiefs, if you noticed, every time they did a, um, a replay, he mentioned, oh, this uh, slow-mo was brought to you by Bud Light. Yeah, he keeps saying it because the people in the truck keep telling him to. Plus, it's sponsorship money, so he has to. Right. Uh, people forget that, man, that stuff in uh, in TV. Uh, it's fun to do, but not when uh, someone's talking in your ear constantly. Oh, yeah, and there's and that's the thing, too. And, like, there's there's delay, too, from when, when, by the time whoever's in your ear saying, go, yeah, it's on you now, now, now. Oh, yeah. And there's been so many times where, like, I had news reports and I'd be live in the field. And I'm like doing an 11 o'clock news story and I'm live in the 11, which is the worst thing ever being live in the 11 when you want to get back and be done with everything. But um, there's a few times where I would be live and they would say now and now and like maybe for whatever reason they were late on the call multiple times where I'm just standing there and like after the anchors already said, now we're going to go to Marcus Dash in the field. I'm in there like right when I watch it back later on, it's like it's, the camera's on me. It's like there's like those, you know, there's nothing's being like there's no sound and then and then i find that you can see when i finally get the cue in my ear five seconds has already gone by but it's already on me and yeah I, and that's the thing is, the feedback is sometimes it just takes a, a while there's a delay there but yeah it's uh tv man it's a it's a different beast than radio so yeah radio you can expand more on these different takes that you have um than than tv yeah, you're really hamstrung by the time the limits there 
Funny story about that. I remember watching uh, some of the Super Bowl coverage for the Chiefs uh, a couple of years ago. They were at a bar just trying to show the uh, the atmosphere and everything. And I remember I saw a, a TV reporter. He did one of these. And I'm like, okay, either someone's not shutting the hell up or uh, the IFB's broken and it's making all kinds of weird noises in there. Like one of those things for sure happened. And it's like, you know, a lot of people at home are probably like, what the hell is that guy's problem? Whereas like someone like me or you, you can maybe understand why that kind of thing may have happened. But right. yeah, it, it's funny the things on TV, like you and I will notice and understand why, but other people are just going to like laugh about it and have fun with it. Exactly. And it's kind of a funny dynamic. And that's the thing too, is like control room etiquette. Whoever's a person telling you it's your, your time, oh, yeah. you're supposed to turn that off right away after they tell you that. And then like when, like when, when you're throwing it back to uh, whoever the anchor is, then you'll get, and you're good. And then like you get to wait for that. There's been so many times where I would, I, I wouldn't get that and you're good. I'm like, okay. And I'm like staying there and back to you guys. And I'm smiling. And then like, dude, when the hell are you going to tell me that I'm, I'm off now? Like they should be off now. Cause sometimes I'll put you in a two box. I don't tell you you're in a two box. So like, like you're still like, you don't, you don't hear the anchor saying it all. You're like, yeah. <laughs> You're just smiling like a weirdo the whole time. <laughs> exactly. Um, by the way, uh, you and I, we were talking about this before we started recording. You told me how many fantasy football drafts are you a part of this year? I, I have seven teams. Seven, seven teams. Okay. Seven. Here's my thing. Uh, Cause I told you this and I've talked about this. I don't think in, in detail, but I hate fantasy football for a couple of reasons. One, it's just not fun. And sometimes I forget to set my lineup. I'll never forget this. I had two defenses on my team once and I lost to a guy by one point. And if I started one of I, I, I didn't have a defense one week. If I started that defense, I would have won the game. And that was just further proof where I, I'm just not dedicated to this kind of thing. And I remember there was a study about nine or 10 years ago, the average person uh, spends 11 hours on fantasy football. I'm like, I do not have that kind of time at all. Like if I, and even if I had 11 hours, my God, I'd be doing so many other things. Be honest with me. Uh, how many teams do you usually have each year? Roughly, approximately. Uh, this year I'm doing one more league than usual. So usually it's about, it's about six. I, I, have, I have six leagues I'm consistently a part of. Okay. How much time do you dedicate to these six teams? Like, 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 like on a week, cause you know, trades and keeping up with free agency, whoever, whoever is doing good on the field and whoever your people in your league are cutting, how much time do you dedicate to that stuff? Uh, it's, it's a lot, man. So I, I would say probably, I'm just trying to think in my head, like on a given hour, like any kind of spare time where I would like, you know, like sometimes you open up your phone and go to Twitter for a little bit to see like I'm doing that. Like, a couple times an hour just to go through my going through the uh, the league and seeing any new transactions. Yeah. See if there's any like new updates on any of the players I have. Ooh, is there a queue now? There's a queue question questionable mark next to him. What would happen? And I'll, I'll do that. So yeah, I mean, just thinking about that, I, I, it's, a, it's a lot. It's a lot of time. And then Sunday mornings, man, before, before the games, like whew, I'm not, I'm I'm all over that. You know, if I have a player who's like game time decision, go to Twitter, type in their name, and see if anyone's got any information on him. So yeah, it's a lot of time, and I, I have that for um, seven leagues. So, and I'm still old school where I'll write my lineups on the pen and paper, so, so I can actually look at it instead of having to go through my app and see who's there. So I'll have my lineups on a little notepad in front of me during the games. But the biggest thing that, from like being a young buck to being a, a mature guy now, it's like I don't give a crap if my team loses in fantasy. I, I just want the Chiefs to win. So if I'm playing a guy who has Mahomes or Kelsey, okay, whatever. Like. As long as, it, as long as the Chiefs get a W, I don't give a crap if I lose my fantasy game. That's See, the one thing that 
I, I've grown a lot in that. So when I was younger, I want to win at all costs in fantasy. But now it's like, no, nah, I want the Chiefs to win first. Chiefs See, that's my problem. That's my problem is, and by the way, I, I'm not trying to pick on you. A lot of people spend hours, countless hours on their fantasy teams and they have like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever. Um, but see, that's what my other problem with fantasy is when I did play, I would always draft chiefs players. Cause it's like as much as possible. Cause it's like, I can't, I cannot go against them in fantasy. Cause then like, let's say, and I'm just making up a scenario. So the chiefs and Broncos are playing each other in week 18. Okay. Let's just say hypothetically they're, uh, they're both, they both have, uh, and I'm trying to think with the, um, they're 10 and six. Okay. Going into that game. And the winner wins the division, goes to the playoffs, the loser is out. My opponent has Patrick Mahomes, and I have uh, Teddy Bridgewater. It's like, who do I root for, my fantasy team or my real team? It's like that whole conflict. And I've heard a couple of people say they don't like fantasy because of that whole dynamic. Mm. It's like I just cannot find myself, you know, needing Patrick Mahomes to do bad so my fantasy team can can win my championship like I just can't I just can't get around that and again it's like for me even with one or two teams I just forgot to set my lineup so many times I think that's when I realized okay I'm just not a fan of this this whole fantasy football thing not at all you play any other fantasy sports or do you do do DFS or any betting or no no, I, I when I go to Vegas, some I do keep uh, I do follow the uh, betting lines closely, like each week, um, to see the plus and minuses. That kind of stuff I really do like to follow up on. But no, in terms of like playing fantasy leagues, no, not for me at all. Like I'm a big fan of the challenge, which is kind of like Survivor. Uh-huh. And I saw a commercial. Uh, they're like, uh, go to MTV.com and do play the challenge fantasy. I'm like, no, I'd rather get hit by a train. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, fantasy for me, like, I'm just thinking, I'm still thinking about the amount of times I go on it. Like, my girlfriend the other day was like, dude, you take like 45 minute craps. I've never, I've never seen anything like it before in my life. And I'm like, honestly, that's like, that's like 30 minutes of me, like, I'm done at that point. <laughs> it's like, I got my head time in there, you know, starting my lab, seeing what, what's good and all. But yeah, football's the the, the 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 rare one. So like, I'll play six leagues of that. I can't do more than one league of baseball or basketball. I don't follow hockey, so basketball and baseball, I, I'm I, I'm fully invested in the one team I have in both. Actually, I do have I do have two basketball, but one usually gets the pri- It's a more of a priority for me. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's for football is totally different because I I'm I'm so involved betting and like doing fantasy with it. So I I, I do all, everything as many leagues as I can. Um, any, any more than seven, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. Do you remember the year when Dwayne Bow led the NFL in touchdown catches? The year with Charlie Weiss we talked about earlier. Yeah, yeah. The Masters, um, uh, Castle's 27-7 and seven year. Yeah, yeah, that year. There was one game where Matt Castle threw a touchdown, threw three touchdown passes to Dwayne Bow, and it was against the Seahawks. Yeah, and in I that same it. game, Jamal Charles ran for 100 yards and had a touchdown. And I think Castle threw a touchdown pass to someone else on the team. It wasn't Bow or Charles. But uh, I, Steve Preston, was it possibly, possibly, or Chris Chambers, one of them. Mm-hmm. But my whole point is um, I had Matt Castle, Dwayne Bow, and Jamal Charles in fantasy that year. And in that game, I, my, obviously my team sucked when I had considering I have those guys, but that game specifically, I had like 200 points because of these guys alone. I'm like, that's right. Suckers picking <laughs> my favorite players sometimes does come through. Well, it's funny right there. I mean, that, that's something that's become a trend in modern days. You, you had to stack 
And back then, that wasn't in fantasy world. It wasn't that kind of thing. And then once DFS popped up, you wanted the stack, and like you know, you see whether that's nowadays that's Kelsey Mahomes. You want the stack, so you're gonna get double the amount of points. Kelsey throws uh, Mahomes throws a touchdown to Kelsey. You have double points there, so you had the stack before the stack was a thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a, like if anyone has Mahomes and either Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey, if you somehow have all three of those, I question your fantasy league. I do. Um, <laughs> oh, you do. You know, my one of my uh, we did a keeper league going back like twelve years. Okay, um, well, hold on. Before you go any further, what's a keeper league? I don't know what that is. So keeper leagues, so there's, there's things called dynasty leagues. So that's pretty much you have one draft, a team that you have, and you keep keep that team year to year, and then you do a, a draft, like a three round draft of rookies every year. That's a dynasty league. Keeper so, league. So is that does that mean you're with the same people in your fantasy league every year? Yeah. So okay. my league, my keeper league, yeah, it's been going back twelve years. I think we have seven or eight of the twelve owners have been around since the beginning. Gotcha. It, Obviously, high school, you know, things change. A lot of people, you know, friend, friend groups change. But, yes, essentially we've had the same 8 of 12 for the last, like, t- decade. Um, but Keeper League, it's every year you have a draft, and from that from that draft you get to pick three guys. So based on what round you draft. Oh, okay. So, like, for example, the year Mahomes took over, his MVP season, I was able to draft Mahomes in the, eight, the ninth round of the draft. So I have from then on every year after that I've kept Mahomes at a ninth round value. So I have the first eight rounds and then Mahomes ninth round. So that's pretty good, obviously, because he'd be a second or third round pick in, in most uh, most drafts. Um, so yeah, and and Tyree Kill, I picked him up off the waiver wire uh, that 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 year. He became you know the, that badass that we all know. Um, and obviously, me being in tune with the Chiefs, I knew, oh, I knew okay. something. So I I picked him up. He became a 20th round value, and that's what any pickups be, just become the last round of the draft. So he's a 20th round value. Mahomes is the ninth round, and then Kelsey, I drafted him last year. He, he's a first round pick, so that, that that's where I, I get screwed there. But um, yeah, so that's how I was able to get those three guys in the keeper league. And I've been since since I've had those, I've had Mahomes and Kelsey for the last four years. I've gone uh, second, first, second. And third, so I, I've been in the top three of, the, of those the, of those four years with, with having uh, at least Mahomes and in, in, uh, in Hill. Well, hopefully, there's a lot of money involved in that one because I think you're going to win, because especially with the offensive line this year, the Chiefs have. Um, you know, and by the way, we'll, we'll make this our last topic and then get out of here. Um, my whole thing with this offensive line, and we saw what happened in the in the Super Bowl, but I've been saying this ever since he signed his contract because people are all concerned about Tyron Matthew. And look, I, I'll be really bummed if he goes but um here's my thing because people are talking about Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and how they've been so big I think honestly because we were we were debating about the number two receiver but in my honest opinion I think Mahomes can win with anyone and we've seen him do it with uh, Albert Wilson in his NFL debut he had a big game with him and it was all backups he had um, he's gone out there and he's had big games with Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson, McCole Hardman. Here's my thing. I think as long as you have a stout offensive line, like you every year offensive line needs to be a priority with this team. And look, I love Kelsey. I love Hill, but at some point they're not going to be around. And okay. Maybe Hill will be around the entire time because he and Mahomes are almost the same age. Uh, but Kelsey's getting up there. I mean, he's probably got five or six years left, maybe longer. Who knows? Um, but my whole point is, man, you know, forget about Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey because you've got to have your offensive line. And with Mahomes, as long as he has a protection, I think he can honestly win with anybody. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a good point because people bring up like the C- Seattle, you know, you, you don't want to have a situation where, you know, you have Russ Wilson, he just can't make any receiver and they, they and they have the offensive line trouble. So we yeah. haven't really had this kind of like, you know, an, an example like this before. But I, I will say as far as like anything about Kelsey, his age and Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill, Mahomes, similar age. So I think Tyreek, hopefully he'll stick around for a while. And I think Kelsey will get to a point where he's going to start taking those deals to stay on the team. I'm, I'm just I'm guessing. I think because he, he, as far as being with his team for, for so long, his re- relationship that he has with Mahomes, I think as he starts to hit a certain age, we'll start to see Jason Witten type like type deal to stick around with the team, just be around and kind of groom the next guy, whoever the next guy may be. But yeah, yeah I mean, I think he'll, I think those three will stick around for a while, and I think you'll start to see Kelsey take. I mean, he's already taken a bargain deal for what he is now, um, as far as I mean, if you look at what he's making. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that Kelsey will stick around, taking like uh, cheaper deals. Tyreek's one that we might we might have to pay up for because we kind of got a good deal on him because we made it. We, we we gave him that extension right when that whole that right after that whole thing was happening. So there was still kind of like oh, yeah. limbo there. So we made out on that one. I just don't think the next time, whenever his contract does come up, I think we're gonna have to pay up a little bit. Um, but if this O line and these guys are the real deal outside of Orlando Brown and and, and Tooney. Those are three guys who are getting paid next to nothing right now. So, I mean, that's that's three or four years of not having to pay these guys. By the way, you brought up the whole Tyreek Hill situation. He dealt with the child abuse allegation. I got to ask you, as someone that's a Chiefs fan not living here, what was your reaction with the way the coverage for that went? Because as a former journalist, I was really pissed off when when we discovered the 11-minute audio was far more different than than the two-minute version. Yeah, I mean, I think context matters. You can take any kind of 30-second or 45-second snippet and, and, and frame it any way you want. I mean, it's – in news, anytime you, you, you do a story, you could you could chop up any kind of – any person's soundbite to make it fit a certain way if you want to. I mean, that's yeah. – that, I mean, really, that, that's a big power that a, a journalist has. I mean, and you have big control over a person's Pe- words. Can I say something? People don't realize that. They, they go, well – it depends on what they say. Okay, yes, but it also depends on how those comments that were said are also portrayed. I don't think right. people realize that. There really is the ability to make things seem not as they were. And don't get me wrong, some of the things Tyreek Hill said were bad in the audio, but they made him seem like the villain completely. Like, that really upset me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think the whole thing was botched. I mean, it was people just wanted to run with the story and, you know, because of Tyreek Hill's past, you can, you can probably get away with it. And chances are we'll probably be right about this whole thing, but no, you, you really weren't. And funny thing about that around that time, I remember I responded back to, or I didn't even respond back. I wrote a tweet saying like, uh, it was in the beginning of this whole thing. I think it was like the, I kind of defended Tyreek Hill, but I didn't, I wasn't defending him. I was saying, let's see where this thing goes. It's way, way too early for this. Yeah. I know, so I, was, I think I was replying back to a Raider fan. I was like, relax your buddy. I know, I know you're rooting for this to happen, but let's, uh, let, let's uh, hold on on this. This guy, I think Levi Damien, I think his name is, he's one of like the, um, he's one of like the, the bleach report guys for the, the Raiders. Okay. The guy like, like pretty much he like quotes my tweet. He goes, Oh, look, look at this uh, local TV journalist say this. I had so many comments. I, I had to mute it. I had so many comments. People like, oh, uh, message his station right now because I have my station in my bio. Message his station oh, wow. right now and, and call him out for this. He's condoned child child abuse. I'm like, wait, I didn't. I never said that at all. I literally said, wait till facts come out on all this. I, I, I mean, obviously, Raider fans are going to want this to be true, so let's just wait on this. 
And like the the digital person on the who kind of monitors the emails, she's like, Marcus, you're getting you're getting blown up here on the uh, on our Twitter IDMs. I'm like, yeah, I was like, I don't even I don't even want to see it, but like, yeah, I, good you know, lord, that's the whole thing. It's like people want to jump to conclusions, and I get it. He he has a past. I did. Uh, you did. I, I don't. What was your take on the whole thing? I mean, look, here's my thing. If if the if if our local media is gonna say the other nine minutes were not relevant. I want to trust that. Okay. Like I, I want to be able to say, Hey, they're, they're, they're portraying this fairly. So, um, cause I remember, uh, the reporter, Angie Racono, she goes, uh, the reason we didn't, um, we didn't portray the other nine minutes is because there weren't a lot of, uh, discussions. And some of it was, uh, a, a discussion about intimacy. It's like the only intimacy that was brought up, Crystal was trying to remind him of a very specific day. And she goes, that's when we had sex. Okay. That is not an intimate discussion. She's just reminding him of a very specific date or a very specific night. Cause she's talking about the movie they went to go, the hunger games movie. Mm -hmm. And so when I heard the two minute version, I'm like, I think I can trust our media that they will give us what needs to be heard. And that, but yeah, looking back, I do wish I want, I, I demanded the rest of the audio. Like very few people did. So no good call on your end, man. I mean, uh, that was just disappointing. I, I, I like, even to this day, I, it still pisses me off. Cause there are people out there who go, Oh, Tyreek, the child abuser just scored a touchdown. It's like, yeah. all right. It's because not only did the local news go with that, you had PFT going off that. And yep. then, most people who are casual sports fans, they, they they follow at least pro football talk, and that's what and that's what um what's his name went uh, what's, what's his Florio. name Florio. So Florio went with. So that's what everyone else says, and so still to this day, people don't even know the facts how that whole thing went went with that. It's like actually you actually follow up on what happened, and what transpired after all, whatever you heard, because everyone went hush hush on it. No one wanted to talk about it after everyone was pretty much wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, and for me, after uh, after everything came out. I went and commented on each person who, who uh, called me. You know, and I wasn't working at local news anymore by the time I actually like uh, went back and I felt I, I felt vindicated. So I went back and uh, didn't get any responses from anybody. But see, that's what I wish I did with the Khalil Mack thing that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, uh, I mean that 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 upset me a lot because um, uh, it's like you know. I, and by the way, the NFL says they had the entire audio. I mean, sometimes you just don't know if these people are really telling the truth or not, but. Uh, people don't realize this. Like Crystal Espinal did not cooperate. She did not respond to the NFL's uh, calls on this. Mm-hmm. It's like, why? She was willing to give the audio. Either her or someone very close to her gave the audio to Channel 5. Mm-hmm. But suddenly when all the, when the, the uh, details about the text messages came out and then the full audio and then her not responding to the NFL's inquiries, it's like, People, for some reason, don't want to acknowledge that. And you know what's interesting? The, the national media did mention those things, but they didn't emphasize it. You know yeah. who did emphasize it? And people hate, Chiefs fans hate TMZ because of the Kareem Hunt thing, which I think is ridiculous to hate on them for that. But TMZ and their headline emphasized the new details in the whole investigation. And it's just, it, it, by the way, I don't know if you knew this. They That same channel, Channel 5, they said that, there was evidence that Tyreek Hill abused her again and that uh, the Johnson County DA reopened the investigation. But Therese Paler, being the great journalist that he was, he actually f- did some digging and said, no, they never reopened this. And that's one of the things like with Therese Paler, I, I know the Chiefs did such a great thing last night 
uh, honoring the desk he always sat at. I don't know if you saw that. That was a very good gesture on their part. Nice. Um, the thing about Therese is he always took the time to research this stuff and not many people do, man. Like we need more Therese Paylors uh, in this world. Like he's not around anymore, but you know what? His work, it still is. And people need to study that stuff because what he did, not a lot of journalists do. And that's just disappointing. Like I, one thing I appreciate about, about Therese Paylor was his work during the Tyree kill child abuse allegations. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, like as journalists, like it's not, you're not supposed to jump to any conclusions. And yeah. That's the thing. It's like, with us being fans, and I will say, a lot of me not jumping to conclusions was me wishful thinking. It's like I, I don't want, I don't want this to be true. So I'm gonna like, I'm, I'm gonna like stay impartial on this whole thing, saying like I'm not gonna jump to any conclusions. Obviously, Raider fans, Patriot fans, everybody wants this to be true. But for me, I'm just gonna bow out of this right now. I don't, I, I'm, I, I'm not gonna say anything until we know more. And yeah, and Ter- Therese, great dude. Um, uh, I will say. And this, you know, and, and what we do in podcasting and it's being trying to be a part of like in the Chiefs network and everything. He was a, he was a guy that you could DM on Twitter and he would actually respond to you. And that's not the case. With many, many, many of the people yeah. in, um, in, in the sports world, but specifically in the Chiefs media world. A lot, a lot of people don't respond to your, your messages and stuff. And long before I had the podcast, when I was just coming up in journalism, I, you know, I, I reached out to him like, hey, like I, any points or tips and stuff. The guy replied to me. It's such a little That's thing. That's awesome. Such a little thing, but such a cool thing for a guy of his stature and stuff. And so, yeah, it was it was it was really cool to see um, him being honored last night, and also Mahomes talk about him and to to uh, effect that he did. So it was. Really oh, cool. I missed that part. I need to uh, look that up. Um, yeah, Torres was a nice. Guy. I had him on my uh, college radio sh- uh, show. And he knew I was a college student, but he still was willing to come on anyway. Not many people would go on a, co- a, a student-run uh, media show. So that was really cool of him. Uh, super. I, I had issues with the phone lines, so we couldn't get Therese on. And I was panicking. He's like, And I called him on my phone. I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. He's like, yeah, that's cool, man. Don't worry. So <laughs> Therese was like really relaxed, whereas I'm panicking like it's the end of the world. Um, so, no, he was, he was such a nice guy. Uh, of course, uh, missed by uh, people who were close to him. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole thing, uh, you know, what's funny is Patriots fans, you mentioned they were jumping all over the whole Tyree kill thing, but when Antonio Brown was accused of sexual harassment, I don't remember the exact thing. What was their response? Let's wait for all the facts to come out. Oh, that's funny. Really funny how that happens. And then when he gets let go, they're like, oh yeah, thank God he's gone. He's dealing with all of that. So funny how that pans out. Uh, but that's that, uh, (laughs) Hey man, uh, it was a lot of fun talking to you. You've got the Chief Concerns podcast real quickly. Uh, how can people follow you on social media and how can people follow the podcast? Yeah, so uh, if you uh, – any ch- any channels or podcasts, go uh, search Chief Concerns. Well, you can find us. Um, YouTube, Chief Concerns. That's uh, – a lot of people like well, watching us versus like, listening to us, but whatever you choose, um, search Chief Concerns on YouTube. And uh, follow us on Twitter at, at Concerns Chief. We couldn't get Chief Concerns, but at Concerns Chief is uh, is us on uh, Twitter. So looking forward to engaging with anybody. Um, uh, she's kingdom. Look, I, I, I would not lie to you guys. Uh, his podcast is pretty good, in my opinion, and it's also with the Believe Podcast Network, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, so also the Believe Podcast Network. You can find it there as well. Yeah, I've had a lot of guys from Believe on there, and the two podcasts I listen to, the two Chiefs podcasts I listen to, both happen to be on Believe, and both very good. Uh, the other one is with Joe Valerio and uh, Jeff Fedotin. Uh, they do a great job, as do you guys. So I, I always like hearing former players. Their perspective is always nice. So please check that out. Uh, a lot of great content, a lot of great guests. So 
Uh, definitely uh, check that out. One of the better uh, cheese podcasts out there. Uh, hey, uh, Marcus, it was really great to finally do uh, a podcast with you. We'll definitely have to do this again sometime. Definitely, man. Yeah, we got we got a lot of time in the season, man. So I yeah. love to be back on, buddy. All right, man. Uh, we'll keep in touch. You take care. All right. You too, buddy. Have a good one, man. All right, you, you too. Take care. That was Marcus Dash, the host of the Chief Concerns podcast. Uh, go check that out. Subscribe to it. If you guys enjoyed this podcast, subscribe, share it with your friends, share the Facebook video to it, the podcast links. Anyway, it would be greatly appreciated. I'm Farzee Vasuga, and appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this episode of Farzcast. I will talk to you guys later. Take care.